Going native, like it's going out of style, it's Feed Your Please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. Peter, before we launch into discussing this week's episode, we have to follow up on something. Because we subpoenaed the space math, and the space math was delivered onto us. So, when we re- were covering Friendship 1 last week, we asked Taryn, one of our Australian occasional special guest stars to bust out his his neckbeard and calculator and determine for us if the Friendship One probe could have theoretically actually made it to where it wound up in the Delta Quadrant by traveling at the speed that it should have given its time of creation. In a classic TLDR, <laughs> he, uh, he gave us like five paragraphs explaining, yes, that would be impossible. It would have to like travel at like, warp more than warp five or 186 years whole point is you were right and Taryn went through the actual effort to determine that you were right as requested i saw that post go up and i want to say i saw it on my phone and i flicked the screen down and i jumped down two pages and then i saw there was a lot more and at that point i knew i'm never going to read all this that's, I mean, guy, that's, the, that's the maximum Peter maneuver, by the way, is that you asked for it, but you didn't really want it. Yes. <laughs> I, I was just like, wow, it really looks like he knows what he's talking about here. This looks legit. I'm going to throw a like on it, and uh, and and that can enter the, the archives. Well, um, Taryn, I read it. I read it, and I, I read it on Thanksgiving while I was on the beach with my family in Florida. And I'll have you know, it was probably still like the fourth best thing I saw that day. So I think I I was to be fair, I think I was driving. So I shouldn't have been on my phone at all in the first place. But uh, I certainly cannot be driving a minivan full of kids reading space math. Um, But I I felt like it was uh, as a part of the the U.S. like, you know, Congress or something like new bill comes down and it's six phone books thick. And I'm like, (laughs) you know what? I'm going to trust this guy. I approve. I'll vote he looks like what he knows what he's doing. You know, he yeah. does have a charming accent, but uh, I, I can't segue from that cleanly into talking about this week's episode because, in fact, there are no charming accents. But what did we watch Joe. this week? <laughs> Man, what the fuck is this thing doing? <laughs> Season seven, episode 22, Natural Law. Did you ever play um, Super Mario? Uh, the lost levels. I sure did. Okay, so in Japan, they followed up Mario 1 with their version of Mario 2, uh, which, you know, would make the, was it Doki Doki Revolution, which we knew as Mario 2, and they come back around to Mario 3 or whatever. But Mario 2 Japanese version never made it over to the U.S. because it was too fucking hard, a.k.a. it sucked, and it, it just, it was gone. And that's exactly what should have happened here. Like, how, how did this thing see the light of day? I, Joe, we're going to play a game. Okay. I want you to say three nice things about natural law. Sure. Okay. First thing i actually liked the goofy sitcom style b plot 
of Tom's personal hell of having to deal with having piloting lessons from a crusty old man that represents all of the staid responsibility and bureaucracy that he has successfully avoided for the entirety of his life. I will approve your first good thing you say. What's the second, if there is one? The second thing is that this episode demonstrates that wearing heels in the outdoors is a hazard (laughs) to one's health and completely irresponsible of seven of nine not to have more practical footwear. That's a stretch. (laughs) Listen, I didn't have a lot to work with here, but the fact that I've got two out of three already, I think, I mean, I deserve some credit and I have a third. I have a third. By all means. The third is that the CG in this episode is actually pretty dope. It's really good. The like the phaser hitting the planetary shield has like that impact. It looks good. Everything looks good from a CG perspective. Unfortunately, the opening scene really sabotages my thoughts of the CG uh, because we will cut into a Type Two shuttle craft zipping through the atmosphere. And as soon as I saw we're not in the Delta Flyer, I said, "Well, this fucking thing's gonna get trashed." listen we got one for the road right like we gotta have one more shuttle accident before the show wraps up you're going back to back with sacrifices last week it was joe carey this week it's a fucking type 2 shuttlecraft it's zipping along over uh what's apparently the amazon rainforest and the background graphics of like the mountains and the trees that looks pretty low budget but i will say that once we start getting into like future tech stuff the the space city um the orbital port that did look pretty good we're, we're, we're really gonna, i think going to be stretching for some stuff to talk about here before we launch into discussion of this episode i did want to make one point this is a, this is seriously something that time traveled out of season two and just like wound up with seven like what if we put seven of nine in a season two episode that's what this was this is straight up like last gasp of the Indian bullshit flute. We have to have Chakotay be Coopte one more time. And for whatever reason, I did don't hate this episode because it reminded me of, it just was indulging in all of Voyager's bad habits when it comes to specifically to Chakotay as a character that we have spent literal years of our life dissecting. And I just, I just want to say thank you to this episode for existing for just one more time. Reminding me of all of those things. Why do you want to be reminded of that? Like he (laughs) used to be such a God awful character and somehow the writer's room pulled off this Herculean task of pulling him out of the dumpster and turning him into something uh, that I've grown to appreciate when he participates in episodes. And for this to be like his front and center episode, man like why and then to rope seven to nine on it too right oh it's bad i'm not trying to defend this thing i, I know it, it's, it's needless bad. That. It, it's like someone was pissed off and and decided to like spit in the punch right like someone intentionally fucking peed in the soup or <laughs> yeah. like oh i'm sorry guys we might be just getting a little too high quality here we got to make sure that we 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 drop a turd in the punch bowl one more time so we remind everyone what they're dealing with. You pair these two characters together who we just had a double dose of in the Seven of Nine Tries to Be a Human episode, right? 
Like, have there been some sort of residual tinges of romance or seven giving Chakotay unfair passes or lingering looks at it or just something to like reach into that episode and, and touch those. It looked like that's what they were going to try to do. There's like a couple times where I'm like, Oh, I forgot. Did they get flirty here or something? And they did. And, and it didn't quite like connect on that level. It was more seven of nine, like doing what she's been doing all season, which is, you know, learning to be, more authentically human a fucking klutz yeah and also wearing heels yeah you know in the in the jungle and then uh, dropping her precious technology into you know of the chasm so this type two shuttles zipping around they're supposed to be going to some sort of warp core conference but chakotay wants to go sightseeing and just Drinking the sights and sevens like in some at some other planet and some other civilizations like territory, right? Like without asking files a flight plan. And it was like, hey, let's just detour, right? Like you're a guest. You don't know shit about shit. And you decide I'm just going to go buzz the tower over here and see what's up. And they're like, you know what? These guys are lucky. We didn't just beam in to go talk to their present with guns pointed at their head like. As far as Voyager's concerned, they're on very good behavior right now. <clears throat> so the shuttlecraft gets down lower and they start skimming along the edge of some sort of energy field that proceeds to completely fuck up the shuttlecraft and it's going to crash. The warp core is gone. Impulse engines are out. They're free falling. And Seven says, hey, there's this crazy energy field down below us. It looks similar to technology that Species 313 used to use. Hey, I think I can reconfigure the phasers to blow a hole in this thing so we can dip down into it. To what end? I don't understand. Because if you're just going to crash on the top of the energy field, like that sounds better than shooting the energy field so you can fall an additional mile to the surface or whatever i didn't quite understand uh why they didn't just pull up i I don't know why that wasn't an option wasn't wasn't particularly clear not only do we have the putrid return of the bullshit indian flute and yet another special social commentary message of um I felt like there's a lot of shades of the TNG episode where uh, the last time we see Wesley Crusher, right? Is it when he's like not okay with being at Starfleet and looking for something else and he decides to join the Traveler? Yeah, because the Cardassians are there, but then there's Native Americans and they're like, leave indigenous people alone. And... Right. And it, and it kind of goes into elements of how it is that Chakotay has the backstory he has why he's involved with this Cardassian, you know, war when he's a native person. Like sure. That, that Whereas actually... The TNG episode was pretty okay. Uh, this one sucks and it, it's a bad retread. Um, but you know, you've also got this heavy ramrod influence that will be felt through the entire episode, starting with this ridiculous energy field. Right. So let's discuss that. At some point, spoiler alert, aliens, which we are to believe is species 313, whoever the fuck they are, uh, and and I don't know who they are, because this is perhaps the most anemic memory alpha 
entry I think I have seen for any Voyager episode to date. It has content at the bottom, but it is all useless. It's like, this is when they filmed it. Here's a picture of someone who apparently is the hand double for Robert Beltran. Like, it, it's just matter. It is just empty words. There's about a page. And again, I, I've had never seen anything as thin as this. Uh, so Species 313 came in and said basically they weren't okay with the two native species to this planet interacting. So they put some sort of a, I don't know what, a dome, like an yeah. energy dome. What was that in World of Warcraft? What, what, what city oh, was Oh, yeah. It? The Dalaran had the energy dome over it. Yes. Yeah, so this is Dalaran, basically, right? And they said, yeah. you don't get to interact with this part of your planet anymore. Also, as a byproduct, we are effectively, not that this ever gets addressed, we are going to completely jail in this other species, so they are forever fucked, this jail we've created. They do suggest that the reason for this is that the species that uh, is the advanced one were, were being dicks, and like this alien race like showed up and was like, well, we're not okay with you being dicks, so we're going to prevent you from doing this anymore. So it was like very much like it was imposed upon them from someone from the outside. Exactly. And they're like, you know, we'll come back and straighten this out later. This is a temper. Hey, what's that flying cube? Of- uh Oh, <laughs> I do like that detail that the reason why this has gone on for apparently centuries and has never been resolved is that the alien race that did it moops themselves into the Borg and got assimilated. And that's why they never came back. Like, if if only we had more of that sort of creeping horror of living in the Delta Quadrant. We've lamented that enough, but here here's a little taste of what you could have had. I think that's maybe the best part of this entire episode. Yeah, shame is, on me for not naming that one. Is is the Borg did something cool. But you've got this huge Dalaran zone where nobody can go, and apparently if a spaceship touches it, it fucks it up. So there's no warning buoys. There's nothing to like prevent low flying aircraft from touching this thing. Whatever. It's just a huge chunk of this planet that you can't go to. And uh, again, rather than pull up, rather than just let the ship rest on top of this energy field, which is totally something that can happen because later Voyager will see like debris from the hull just chilling out there. They decide to gun a hole in this thing and like fall the extra 300,000 feet or whatever and let the ship blow up. Uh, after the emergency transport out. Joe, do you like um, poor ergonomics space luggage? So are you recommenting on the like weird sort of just box that they're carrying? This octagon duffel bag that may as well be the third major character of this plot line? Yeah, it wasn't very clear if they started with anything in it. Because it clearly didn't have food, because they eat the natives' food. It didn't have, like, a med kit, because they used, you know, witch doctor medicine. Didn't have a tent. Didn't have anything in it, except was the thing they put the tech in, at like, at some point? Seven of Nine used it as, like, a literal container for and it's a, a very prop. clearly made out of cardboard, right? It's like a big shoebox, basically, and it's like this octagon tube. So there they are, crash landing, and they're like, all right, quick. Grab the tricorders. Good, we got the tricorders. Uh, let's not worry about phasers. You ready? Yeah. Okay. You know what? Hey, let me grab this box. I love this. Is a great box. Okay, it's a great grab box. It. You know what? You might have something you need to put in the box. 
And then if you don't have this, what do you have? Just have <laughs> your hands are just filled. They're looking know? at the pile of shit in the corners, like med kits, uh, replicators, um, you know, all, all sorts of stuff that I think at this point, Voyager should know how to stock a shuttle that's going anywhere near a planet, given the number that they've lost and crash landed. Like you'd think that these guys would really have great emergency supply reserves. And they're like, nah, just they do. But, you know, it, they're, they're playing the game on hard, man. It'd just be too easy. Just let's take the box. You never know what could be in it. There could be a med kit. Yeah, you got there. All right. Um, let's let's get to the good part, Peter. Let's get to the good part. Is it where the transporter breaks Chakotay's leg? <laughs> it's where Chakotay does what he does best, and that is meet the native people. We've got on such a long road with this guy when it comes to this, what appears to be his like one of two character traits, right? He has one good character trait, which is that he is the most spiritual member of the crew and on occasion has been useful in some of the better episodes and stories told as a consequence of the fact that he is said spiritual uh, advisor. And the second is whenever there is a primitive native people, he is going to be the guy who interfaces with them. Uh, it is, we saw this in Tattoo, of course. Uh, Space Spider Island, mm. uh, Nemesis, when he was like a catch and jungle fighter for a few days. What else? The Borg co-op. co-op. He's had bad ones, but he's had some really good ones. He made great inroads with Species 8472 uh, when he put the pipe in one of them. Ellen Ty, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was her, wasn't it? It was. That is the the two good things you could say about Chakotay up till about season three. And I think after that, and this is what lends a lot of credence to your, this is a missing, this is a forgotten season two episode is that Chakotay uh, in the back half has a lot of other great character traits, namely calling out Catherine Janeway on her cockamamie bullshit. Sometimes even, you know, mutinying and, and taking it all the way. This completely unnecessary throwback to the character he used to be. This could have been an episode about him coming to terms with his decisions and having some sort of reflection on what's life going to be like when he gets back to Earth. Uh, now that the Maquis have been eradicated and he's one of the the final remaining. I've been God, yeah. So we're we're into the senior week of Voyager now. Where, like, you're getting your last episodes that have to do with specific characters. And this is the last Chakotay-focused episode. And you're absolutely correct that he needed to have one. And that focusing on the, the element of his terrorist backstory would have been a much better way to go. Instead, like, the last episode that focused on the Maquis was like that one early in the season when when Tuvok got a case of the you know wanting to erase everyone's brain which was awful yeah and everyone like got their uh rainforest cafe gear out of cold storage and took the ship over I I get in a way the impulse to want to do one where you go back to his native roots including having the literal Indian bullshit flute play the moment he sees them Max, this this is 
bullshit flute overload. There's more flute in this thing than a Kenny G album. Kenny G plays the clarinet. Dude. It's a flute. Dude. It's, it's listen. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and get lectured about Kenny G by someone who has suffered a discommendation. All right. So, <laughs> so you just like clap take, your arms and then turn your back at me. Take your fucking rant over to Tumblr where they give a shit. All right. Anyways, this thing is real heavy on the flute. It, st- it, it starts the moment Chakotay lays eyes on the native people who are like maximally like, you know, they've got bronzer on their skin to like, you know, ambiguously racial. Uh, very alien-looking makeup, uh, and then, and like, loincloths. jacked. Yeah, every single one of them uh, has spent 87 million hours at the gym because they're not wearing any clothes. And, uh, yeah, so th- this is maximum space primitive. I did not hate this uh, special guest race, which I don't even want to justify by, by pulling the name out here. Um, they sidestep uh the language barrier in an interesting way because you know we've got the com badge universal translators which you know surprise surprise they're gonna go ahead and destroy chakotay's in a silly ramrod moment but seven still has hers and even once she comes back in it's no help because this alien race is effectively mute and they communicate solely through hand gestures I like that Chicote's kind of like the guy who would figure out how to talk to them, that he would work through that, that he has the anthropological both skill and desire to do so. I, I do. I like that. Sure. But, I mean, that that those are great traits to have, and they would really matter if literally the smartest human in the universe was not standing there alongside him with like super board chips in her head and language is basically math because she (laughs) should have been all over that shit okay listen i'm not trying to defend this episode it is bad and you should not watch it however the fact that seven of nine is just like bored of this shit from the start and is like disinterested in this nonsense that chakotay is engaging with and like learning to communicate with them is actually matches that idea right like she's just so above like communicating with these people let me do you one better let me do you one better with it because the only reason to pair these two together would have had been to have uh lingering uh romance threads from what was that called human air correct if this is going to be chakotay send-off episode get fucking balana in on this she's not doing anything else the rest of the episode uh, they're supposed to be friends. She would have been a great substitute for the technical minded seven of nine because she's also good with this kind of stuff and also doesn't give a fuck about natives in case anybody remembers Muse. Right. And has no problem walking all over first contact uh, prime directive stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's including beaming out in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, No big deal. Uh, and I think that would have played up chakotay's need to be culpable for what's happening here um and you know when when's the last time those two really had meaningful screen time together i can't even remember it's been a long time i think i think the last big bawana chakotay moment might have been like ambushing seska uh, i would say the cardassian murder cave no the seska when 
uh, Chakotay's out of phase and Voyager's different times. Oh, yeah, in the clip show. Uh, But that's not a clip show. I don't even count that because it wasn't actually Bolana because it was like season one Bolana meeting season seven Chakotay. I was like the last time they had like a, and at like a moment of character growth, like that was meaningful with the two of them together. Might be all the way back uh, in like I guess season five when the Cardassian murder cave happened. They didn't even find time in the goddamn two parter workforce to to focus on those when he was abducting her and trying to like wake up memories. Like, yeah. It, Those... They really, they really subsumed all of her character development in the Tom, like when they decided to go whole hog on that romance. Because remember, you know, like they teased the idea that the romantic couple was going to be, was going to be uh, uh, Bolana and Chakotay. She had like the the fucking sex like vision about him, or in season one. Like sure. I, I think they bailed out of that, and they didn't quite know what to do. And you know, I still feel like they were lining it up to be with uh, Harry Kim. Basically, Bolana's friend was always going to be Harry Kim. Harry Kim is not romance material. Uh, Garrett Wang is not romance material. I think I, Harry Kim, under a different stewardship, might have been a little different. I'm just saying, you know, if you're if we're in the back half of season seven, there's what three episodes to go before we're done, and this is a send off for the character known as Chakotay. Um, Lots of missed opportunities here, but go figure. That's that's right on brand for us. So uh, they kind of meet these uh, indigenous people. Uh, Chakotay's legs fucked up, so he can't go out on the scavenger hunt that Seven of Nines on. Um, he passes out sick because the transporter broke his leg during transport, and uh, these guys find him. His combat scares him. They pull it off and smash it and destroy it and take him back to the the cave and they put some i don't know aloe vera on his leg and and start healing him up the better part of this episode kicks off around now which is when we cut back to voyager for our b plot which involves tom kind of like doing his hot dogging through this uh alien space station and it looks cg set looks cool he's flying the delta flyer kind of Given no fucks and buzzing towers, he gets pulled. He gets gets pulled over via FaceTime by the uh, the <laughs> local uh, uh, traffic cops, uh, who uh, tell it on him to his boss and uh, inform his boss that he needs to take a three day pilot safety course, including a test at the end, and. Janeway looks delighted to foist this bullshit on him from the start. In fact, everyone in Tom's life, his boss, his wife, his best friend, and his fellow con artist, the four people in his life that you would probably say the closest to him, all individually take delight in Tom's misfortune in this in a way that feels very authentic. Because he's forced into doing this because they're following local laws while they're visiting and everybody else gets to go on vacation and everyone starts rubbing it in his face a little bit that he's got to like be responsible and do a piloting safety course while everyone else fucks off to whatever alien Vista we won't see because it costs too much money. (laughs) And the guy that ends up being his instructor for this is like the the crustiest driving ed instructor you've ever seen. And uh, it it's 
it's the absolute perfect B plot for Tom because this is the shit he's always managed to avoid. He always manages to avoid this kind of nonsense. All going back on to season one when he got involved in the shithead murder with Detective Tuvok because he got bored of whatever bullshit Harry was talking about and he went to fuck a, a shithead instead. The, the, he is not a rules follower. And uh, this is his hell. It's a good B plot and everything you said is correct. But when you take uh, the the message they're trying to kind of telegraph here and then you compare it to that time that uh, he created an act of extreme eco-terrorism and <laughs> completely uh, eradicated the underwater mining of whatever the sea people episode, the mermaids. Correct. Kind of, I don't know, <laughs> takes the steam out of this little plot here. I had so little to think of when regarding this episode that every good joke I've come up with came was something Stevie came up with. She's the one who pointed out the wearing heels in the jungle results in, in losing your tricorder. She's the one who's like, that's just a sitcom plot where Tom gets gets stuck doing driver's ed. He does. He, and, you know, so so looking at the Tom plot, because at a certain point, I'm kind of like, what what's going on in this episode? What what am I watching what is the moral of the story going to be here? Because the A plot is so meandering and slow that I'm like, all right, really focused in on what's happening with Tom. And I'm like, is this a an episode about like we need to show responsibility and we need to play by the rules? And and Tom is kind of the exemplar on on what uh, we're trying to talk about here, which certainly is not the uh, case by the end of this. But I will agree the the comedy's there. And even not with the stereotypical crusty old driving coach, it's his friends throwing him under the bus. And I think that's a a good observation. I don't think there's anybody else in the crew that has as much overlap with other major cast stars as Tom. He's got a close relationship with Janeway. And like you said, Harry, Balana, Neelix. The EMH, he's always, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, short of seven, who he doesn't really have a ton to do with. Uh, he's all over the place. He even had like really strong, um, you know, scenes with Chicote earlier back when there was still that rivalry there. Tom, I mean, you know, if the six main characters you made, Tom has had children with two of them. It makes sense. Tom is the guy who has got a lot of charm, right? Like he's. He's the most personable. He's just there for a good time, not a long time. And so it makes sense that he would be the guy who would be the friendliest with the most amount of people. I think also he becomes the foil to the straight man uh, when you're looking for a comedy pairing. Like he's always the goof. He's an easy butt of the joke. Everybody else in the cast is pretty serious. So yeah, they're either they're either driven uh, former terrorists or they're driven Starfleet officers. And Tom is neither. Tom is uh, perhaps an exception amongst all of Berman era track of a guy in a Starfleet uniform with rank pips on his collar who really doesn't fucking care about the job that he's, he doesn't care about being in Starfleet. He cares about his job. He cares about getting the ship home. He cares about his friends. It's not, he's like useless or, or a, a liability. He doesn't uh, care about the uniform. Correct. He doesn't care about the uniform. And because of that, he just is, doing his thing and people are attracted to that 
I think it's also interesting that for an episode that's punishing Tom, this is one of the rare occasions in season seven where he's not being a complete shitbag. Yeah, where he's kind of stuck doing this, uh, and it's not really, it's disproportionate, right? You feel sympathy. Yeah, you're like, oh, this sucks. That's hard for the writer's room to do with that character. I feel a lot of times, like, it's so easy to condemn him and just roll your eyes and and hate everything that's going on. Yeah, take Um, us back to the shithead episode. He was, in fact, fucking that guy's wife behind his back. (laughs) Like... That's what he did in his spare time, is he wrecked a marriage amongst an alien race. Like That's, that's perhaps the beginning of their their next-door woes, which was, do was not early. do better by the end of this, yeah. Um, so that's that's what Tom's doing, and Janeway's like, hey, follow the rules. You know, shore leave for you. You're going to be in intensive driver ed, and we'll check back in on you later. Uh, meanwhile, down uh, on the surface of the planet, Voyager still hasn't figured out that the first officer and smartest woman in the universe are missing. Uh, They go, hey, we're starting to run into a problem where our interactions with this native uh, species can potentially be harmful. And sometimes you get a Chakotay that says, like, we need to respect the cultures and the values of the indigenous culture. Don't even bother using your tricorders. Right. And sometimes you get sloppy Chakotay who is okay to to rub elbows and get in close and see how things are working there. Seven, as you pointed out, doesn't care and wants to get the fuck out. They start going through the pretty paint by numbers plot you'd expect on the surface here. Chakotay reaches the natives, learns how to speak to him. They all think that he's the greatest. He starts buying goods from them, essentially with glass beads. Yes, takes his rank pin, buys something from him with it. Uh, Seven can't be bothered, goes and like finds the doohickey that they're going to need to uh, communicate with Voyager, at least as they understand it through this energy field. And, you know, she is an independent woman that don't need no man and then trips over her own heels, loses her tricorder. Let's let's talk about this. (laughs) First of all, I have never seen seven of nine stumble falter or be anything less than physically perfect in fact if you go back to uh what was the last time we saw the temporal prime directive time cops Uh, so uh relativity relativity right um tom headhunts her specifically because of her hand-eye coordination playing ping pong right she doesn't miss so the idea that somehow she could fucking trip over a tree root and Butterfingers, her tricorder into a chasm. Completely ridiculous. Second, I refuse to believe that with all that shit jammed in her skull, nowhere in there is our compass. Or, you know, just a basic, like, recollection of where she's been, right? Like, with her photographic memory. It, it, it seems to me a board would have a, diff- a lot of difficulty uh, getting lost in this way. Yet, here we are ramrod womp womp <laughs> she'll end up going around in circles i did think it was pretty cool like because she kind of trips over that same route again and realizes that she'd been making a big circle right about the time that storm's rolling in um i i would have liked if there was some sort of a beat where she just refuses to believe that she could f- trip over the same route two times in a row and then find some sort of like air and borg programming that 
I don't know, some sort of geometrical pattern is beyond their comprehension. And then somehow work that into the final episode as how they get the big leg up over the Borg. But wishful thinking. And this is where we start getting Seven making a friend. So Seven of Nine, of course, has to have her uh, slowly becoming a real girl moment. uh, Because while I have admired this uh, particular plot line through several episodes of the season, this is one where it feels entirely unnecessary. Uh, It's just too much. And uh, she has to learn to appreciate the beauty around her and the, you know, the, the simple uh, beauty of the natives, I guess, kind of like a little racist, to be honest. I I don't know how else to spring this up. Like this constant fetishism of native people that like living simply and without technology is this secretly beautiful thing. And they need to be preserved with a pat on the head, you know, and no, you know, they're like their pets, I guess, would be the way to describe it. Yeah, they live in a fucking terrarium. Yeah, it's it's very weird and very like 90s Trek. Mm -hmm. I don't it's it's not good. I'll say that. Um, So she, you know, makes her friend, which is like a native lady who ultimately ends up able to guide her to the like front end of the sp- of the shuttle that has the deflector dish on it, like the little deflector. And uh, that is what she's looking for to try and like uh, pierce the shield and contact Voyager. Um, while this is happening, she gets lost. Her friend, you know, gives her a blanket, starts a fire for her, protects her while she's sleeping, you know, clearly likes her. And Chakotay gets concerned. Like, where is my hot alien babe? Let's go find her and tracks are like, I hope you like an episode with several different scenes where people are drawing maps in the mud. Yeah, it was like three of them. <laughs> like Chicote twice, seven of nine once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, all this to say that they, they if, they, if they, someone were to take me and say, hey, listen, I'm going to I'm going to clear out a patch of dirt here and try to draw my neighborhood and asked me to point out on on this drawing in the dirt where my house is. I don't think I could. So them precise locating shuttle debris, an especially far stretch. They ultimately do, in fact, not only find the shuttle debris, but figure out that this energy field that they're under is something they can bring down from the inside using their weird little doohickey that's in the cardboard box plus the deflector (laughs) dish. So apparently the super advanced technology that we will see later is resistant to ship phasers gets got by seven of nine's, uh, you know, metal scraps and science project. Your MacGyvering is stronger than type X phasers. Uh, listening to you describe the, the formulaic, uh, way that seven has to go about opening her eyes and understanding the beauty with, Chakotay kind of as like this guiding hand bringing her to the conclusion. Um, I realize now that this is the spiritual successor to that other shitty episode where they find the NASA Mars mission craft in the. Yes, it's it's exactly like that one right down to seven of nine. Can't be fucking bothered by this bullshit. Seven of nine can't be bothered with this bullshit. Chakotay's. Uh, has to play the fool and endanger everybody and create 
the dilemma that they have to escape from. And uh, by the end, you know, Seven will discover that, hey, um, Windows is pretty great after all. See you later, DOS. Hey, everybody, thanks for helping me understand the the power of whatever. Oh, the power, the power of Windows. If you go back to our episode with that, I, I can't even. That's one, that's one of the most forgettable episodes, I think, of Voyager ever. No, no, no. I it, it was so weird and so bad, it's memorable. There are many that I want to bring up in our discussion when we wrap on the entirety of the series that I think were far more in that forgettable range. We're forgetting well, already, it right now. I've, I've already forgotten. I don't even know if they exist. You might just be calling bluff. Like, maybe I'm right after all. But um, yeah, that is that is this episode all over again. So they cut back up to Voyager. And Voyager has figured out that Chakotay and Seven are missing and that they need to start looking for them. Uh, Tom is with his space driver's ed instructor and he's like hey i want to get this done my friends are missing can i can i help them and they're like no you're stuck in this shit um (laughs) fuck you they finally find the traces of the shuttle disappearing and you'd think too again for a big spacefaring society like we're seeing which is hosting fucking symposiums on warp field theory right yeah Mm -hmm. they would have some sort of like radar system in orbit and be like oh shit something just crashed but they they didn't uh and they find again shuttle debris just suspended in the air sitting on top of this this force field wall and they contact the ambassador and say hey what's going on there and the guy's like oh yeah that's 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 the danger zone you shouldn't go there (laughs) why did you do that the big chunk of our planet that we can't access because centuries ago uh a an interfering species came along and uh put this race that we weren't getting along with in a huge terrarium and we just seeded this land forever um with all of our technology and everything else we couldn't figure out how to fucking get like at least tunnel underneath it i i don't know it's (laughs) it is preposterous to me to believe that a a spacefaring established dominant force in this sector of space can't can't get to like their front yard. I if they would have just flushed it out more, I could have bought it. Like something more advanced than them did something to them, and they are like they're in like the warp six ish stage of development. They're not there. They can't figure it out. Right? Like it's fine. Like the For idea is okay. Component where they said, you know what, we were wrong to be doing what we were doing, and. We've let it, it go because we, we realized we were being taught a lesson, you know, totally understand. It's this didn't do one that. of the biggest asks, I think, that Voyager's <laughs> ever made uh, of, of the audience. But hey, yeah, this thing, uh, it's there and your people are lost forever. Sorry. And Janeway's like, hey, we don't just give up on something after 13 seconds, assuming it doesn't involve Talaxians. Let us let us see what we can do. Uh, so apparently the locals are cool with Voyager proceeding to launch an orbital bombardment. Yes. Dope effect. Like they, they shoot the, their ship phasers at the shield and it comes down like the fucking hammer of God. 
Like, it hits it, and they do a good job of retraining the impact of, like, oh, shit, that is a powerful weapon. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, that didn't work. Let's start shooting photon torpedoes at it. Yeah. You know what to solve this? A giant anti-matter device. Yeah, <laughs> try cobalt device. Why don't we why, why don't we just dig out more of those? That's why we brought that thing in case we ever came across a planet with an energy shield we couldn't penetrate and we had to rescue our Borg pet. Um while they're in the middle of trying to nuke this thing from orbit because they think it's the only way to be sure, uh seven MacGyvers, the microwave or whatever the hell she found down there, some some blender. And uh, it shoots some some electricity up. I, I like that they tried doing it the first time, but because the magnet rocks around, it doesn't work. And they're like, we need to relocate the shuttle debris over there. How are we going to do it? Oh, why don't we buy slave labor off the locals for <laughs> more glass beans? Yeah, we'll just, you know, like they're like they're Jews in Egypt, man. They'll just start pulling shit around like they're building the pyramids. Ridiculous. I, it's, it, I, I, I did like the, you know, Chicote starts to like not like that they're emulating them and is finding all the debris and doesn't want to involve them. And then Seven's like, oh, should we stay here and contaminate them more? Is that what you want? Come yeah. on. Come on. It's- what the fuck is wrong with you? They start by uh, <laughs> by crimping his face tat. Oh yeah, that's that was the sign he knew he'd gone too far. It started scribbling their that shit on their face. Like no, no one should make this same mistake as I did. We must we must leave so that you might know not know this folly. He's like, uh, hey, where's my friend at? And they're like, well, your friend's gone. Hey, here's my girlfriend. Look, she's taped some garbage to her face. Yeah, do you want her instead? <laughs> She's got like broken microchips that have been, I don't know, twine tied off around her face, like seven and nines implants. And at that point, he's like, oh, man, we are really fucking up bad. Uh, some real shades of Orville there. Like it, it's almost comedic to the degree that they botch this thing. But yeah, they they con the locals into like getting vines wrapped around the shuttle wreckage and then pulling it through the field like oxes. Yep. Oxen, oxes. I don't know. They, they fire up the doohickey. Chicote tries to like move everyone away so they don't get electrocuted. Of course, the curious lady decides to get close and gets electrocuted. It does work. It brings down the shield. Thankfully, they contact Voyager before they fire off a photon torpedo, thus killing everyone. <laughs> You know, like that had been a bit of a moops. Throw up the, I'll throw up the, uh, the curb your enthusiasm theme song after that one. Like, shoot the photon torpedo right as Seven brings down the wall, and all of a sudden, yeah, incinerated the entirety of that jungle and everyone there. Hell, maybe it hits the core and somehow collapses the planet. The possibilities could have been endless. Cue the always sunny in Philadelphia theme song. Mm. When the the gang accidentally photon torpedoes the natives. By the way, I don't know if you've caught the uh, Sunny podcast yet. It is. Oh, it is gold. Anybody is it them talking about old episodes or? You know, when you get these podcasts where it's like three plus people in a room talking, they create this atmosphere where it's just dudes hanging out and you become one of the dudes, right? And you're just yeah. sitting in a room, listening to people having a good time. You're having a good time with them and you feel like you're you're part of it, right? Some podcasts, most podcasts try to do that and said it's very annoying and comes off as miserable, at least to my sensibilities. Uh, Sonny 
pulls it off because all three of them are fucking hilarious. And on the off chance they are talking on topic, what they're saying is so interesting and riveting that it's just win-win across the board. Who's Who does it? Uh, the three dudes, uh, the, the main cast stars from Sunny. So it's Charlie Day. Glenn Howerton. And then no, Danny's Danny? not in there. Okay. Oh, and then it's uh, the what, woman who plays D. No, no. It's Mac, Charlie, and uh, Dennis. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that, actually, yeah, that does sound like that would be a good time. It's fucking great. Um, so back to boring stuff. Uh, What's-her-face has electrocuted herself bad. Oh, my gosh. We're worried about her. Hey, should we bring her up to the sick bay? Should we put the doctor down there? No. I'm going to handle it. Just give me the med kit. Off screen beamings later, Chakotay is back up on Voyager. Apparently the the voodoo witch doctor stuff heals better than modern medicine in the 20th century because his leg broken leg is already healed after like two days. You know, they're like, oh, OK, well, let's get all the crap off the planet. Get the fuck out of here then. And Seven is finished curing apparently the lady friend that she made and gets a blanket as his natives do apparently with blankets and is about to leave and everything seems good except there's like seven more minutes left in the episode which means when she leaves the cave to get beamed out uh oh yeah all the assholes who run the planet are there now and they're they're they've got their giant texan hats on and they're like we're prospecting for oil roja like they are ready to exploit these people immediately (laughs) right up that point again i'm kind of scratching my head like what is the fucking point of this episode Tom needs to learn to be respectful. And what was the point of all of this down on the surface? Uh, And then, yeah, you get injected with like the second half of the a plot, which they're in a real rush to try and pull this thing into some sort of morally appropriate story. And seven's looking around and she doesn't like what she sees. Um, She's at this point learned that windows is the best operating system through her paint by numbers awakening to the, the plot's end goal. And, you know, they make the pitch to Janeway like, hey, we can't let this happen. Um, we need to stop this. And we really need to do anything within our power to just make everybody on this planet completely fucking hate us. And they come up with a solution, which is actually pretty simple, which is they're just going to leave with all their stuff, including the science project seven of nine created to take down the shield to begin with. And they contact the planet and they're like, Hey, get your uh, next door app out. Cause you're about to give us a one star. Uh, this is what's up. Get all your people out. Or they're going to be trapped. And they, they just like, but no, and they're like, Janeway's like, yeah, we're doing it anyway. They act like they're going to acquiesce. And then of course, shoot at them. Uh, this provides a opportunity for Tom to have his catharsis in his B plot when he ditches his test because he gets his mission orders to go fuck some shit up as he's wont to do in a shuttlecraft. And uh, he books it down to the planet, shucks and jives the, the asshole's ship, beams all the assholes off the planet because, you know, Federation still got to be the good guys, got to save save them from themselves. And then uh, and then blasts the science project uh, before boosting out of the uh, the planetary shield as it reforms all while he's basically giving the double bird to his instructor next to him. Like, yeah, that's right. I'm a hotshot pilot. Ah! 
stupid. Yeah, it's the end of the episode. I mean, that part's great, but um, I, I, you know, a lot of times we say, all right, well, this clearly happens outside the realm of anything Voyager's ever going to care about, or, you know, you shouldn't be nitpicking this because it's a fun episode. I wouldn't say this is a fun episode. I would say this breaks a lot of Starfleet rules. Um, I, I think looking at the people who've been trapped in this denial sphere, uh, it's easy to say these guys have been prisoners and their evolution has been stunted because they're cut off from not just the world or the universe around them, but in fact, the entire world, a uh, lot of, a lot of meddling here. The whole thing's a mess. This was Kenneth Biller, I think. Uh, if was Kenneth Biller, James Kahn, and then directed by Terry Wendell. So yeah, this, this felt like a script they had left over and they uh, adapted it to season seven. And, uh, you know, because they wanted to do a Chakotay episode, quote unquote, before they're done. And it was a shitty one. Let's get off of this on something better. Let's talk about next week. Joe, I got a confession. Mm-hmm. I've seen pictures on shit posting groups of Neelix looking sad with a duffel bag over his shoulder and everybody lined up clearly seeing him off. And I've been dreading this day coming. Season 7, episode 22, Homestead, I see Neelix laying in a bed. Neelix is faced with the decision of a lifetime when Voyager locates a tribe of exiled Talaxians on a distant asteroid. I think I know what's going to happen, and uh, this better be a fucking amazing episode. This is a really good one. I'm glad to say that your expectations, I think, will largely be met. As the senior week continues here on Voyager, Neelix has got to have his last episode and uh, they make it a good one. And uh, we'll talk about it next week. Uh, or maybe Peter will be really mad that it didn't you know, quite measure up. I don't know. I don't know. They've such such a low bar with natural law. I'm tempted to go ahead and write it on my wall of shame right now. Like this thing fucking sucked. This should have never saw the light of day. Shame on everybody involved with it. I think you could have done a lot of cool stuff with the last Chakotay focused episode. Instead, uh, you know, you just shit the bed with it. So they went right back to the poisoned well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just didn't know what else to do. I, you know, I I look back at some of the real stinkers they've lumped Chakotay into. I think I would have rathered him be, you know, in the astral plane fighting wolves again than than this fucking turd. Um, all right, man. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening to Feature Please, a hateful voice of Delta Quadrant. We'll see you next week.